Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris. Uh, we are in chapter 48 of our book, The Words of Jesus, and uh, this is about Jesus' transfiguration. Now, the transfiguration has been preached in many different ways and for many different reasons. Let's see if we can find out exactly what happened that day and uh, what it actually means to us. I told you before that um, one of the manifestations of, Jeho of Jehovah on the earth um, and, and of course, and subsequently Jesus as well, was that Jesus Christ being called the Word of God, or in, in perhaps a, a different vernacular, but uh, along the same line, the voice of God. This is God's voice in the earth. This is what he has to tell mankind, and he's doing it through the life of Jesus Christ. This is um, one of the the changes that John the Baptist was preaching uh, to the Jewish nation that things are about to change. They're going to change and they're going to change drastically. And um, when they do, it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. And, uh, but we need to change. We need to repent. We need to turn around the way we've been doing things and do them the way that the Lord expects us to do them. Now, here you have a situation of what's called the transfiguration um, and uh, what exactly happened that day and, uh, and, and what it means to us as 21st century Christians. Um, in order to understand this, I think that it would be important for us to understand the mindset of the Jews of that day. If you remember... Um, You'll find the Jews talking about certain things in, in prophetic tones or, or uh, as it affects prophecy or as prophecy affects life. And they will use the term, uh, so says the law and the prophets. Jesus would say, um, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. And the words law and prophets were uh, synonymous with, essentially, the Old Testament. The, uh, the doctrines, the covenants, the ideas, the commandments, everything about the old covenant upon which uh, Israel fancied itself as having been built. Um, and I say that because uh, although they, they did a wonderful job as, as well as uh, could be expected, uh, there were a lot of uh, gaps in their understanding, thus the appearance of Jesus Christ to fill in those gaps. However, how Jesus was going to do that was that he was going to have to occupy in the mind of the, of the average Jew out there this place of authority. He was going to have to occupy, uh, in, at least in their minds, uh, he, that when he spoke, he spoke not as, uh, as a prophet or as a wise man, as some people love to say, you know, I believe Jesus was was, you know, he was a prophet, he was a wise man, he was a good guy, and like, like he needs our approval, um, but that he was speaking as the Son of God, and, uh, and in a peculiar position as being the Son of Man as well as the Son of God. But 
the authority issue was a big issue. Uh, just who is this guy, and how can he, how can he be um, what he claims to be? And uh, if he is indeed who he says he is, then where does that place us as God's chosen people? This was a big stumbling stone for the Jews. The Jews um, uh, did develop their laws and their ideas and, and what knowledge that they had gained over the, the centuries as, as God's people uh, and their experiences, their family, their social order, everything was essentially based on, as I say, the law and the prophets. I want you to keep that in mind because as we read here, you're going to see the law and the prophets symbolized and exactly where Jesus fits into this kind of thing uh, or this, this kind of thought of, of these people and us as well. Because uh, we've, we have gathered to ourselves an inordinate affection for a book instead of a living God. And uh, if you are one who worships your Bible and I'd really rather not hear your testimony on it. Because I've never met anybody who actually admits to worshiping their Bible, but uh, I meet m many, many people who do. Um, and we, I guess we came by it rightly, if you want to say. Like, there was, there was no other destiny for us. Um, because we came from Bible worshipers, Torah worshipers, scroll worshipers, uh, people who worshipped uh, letters on pages, letters on scrolls. They did. They just absolutely did just that. And um, those things are were coming to an end. Let's read here where it talks about Jesus' transfiguration. About a week later, Jesus went with uh, three of his disciples, Peter, James, John, unto a high mountain to pray. As he, was trans as he prayed, he was transfigured before them. His face shone as the sun, and his garments became white and glistening, as bright as light. Moses and Elijah appeared and talked with Jesus about coming events at Jerusalem. Peter said, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was speaking, a bright cloud came over them, and out of it came a voice which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. When the disciples heard the voice, they were afraid and fell on their faces. Jesus came and touched them, saying, Arise. Be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Three, the three disciples guarded word of this event as a secret, telling no one what they had seen. This transfiguration scene, I believe, is, is speaking to us, or at least it can speak to us if we will open our minds for just a moment. The, the status quo, the way that we've always done things, and, and you know, is pretty much the way the Jews always did things. And that was that they would go to their scrolls, to their Torah, to the Tanakh, 
and they would find within those pages words of God and they would base whatever decisions they had to make, whatever judgments they had to make, whatever um, uh, uh, societal decisions that they had to make, decisions within their own family. And, um, and they would use the scriptures, the law and the prophets, as a bolstering device or as an empowerment for the way they lived. Does that sound at all familiar to you? Well, it's exactly the way the Christian lives today. They use the Bible as a talisman. They use the Bible as a book of incantations. They find scriptures in there and, and believe what they read there or they put their faith on it. They're standing on the promises and, and they're, you know, they're, it's the word of faith movement. Um, you know, it's the, at the heart of the word of faith movement. They believe that the Bible's the word of God if it says it, I believe it, that settles it. All the little cute little sayings that we say. But I want you to know that what you're doing is in direct opposition of the plan of God for Jesus Christ to be our teacher and not words on a page. I believe the scriptures. I cherish the scriptures. I love them and I live by every word that is in there. I mean, it's, it's, you, you, just, you can't believe how important it is to me to have a relationship with the Scriptures in that I know them, I read them, they are implanted in my heart. You cannot accuse me of, of not regarding the Bible and putting it in its proper place. But one thing that I will not do is I will not give it the title that belongs to none other than Jesus Christ you will not find the Bible ever referring to a, to a writing or a doctrine or a codex or a, or a scroll or of, of any kind. You will never find the Bible referring to those things as the Word of God. Did you know that the Bible never refers to itself as the Word of God? So what does the Bible refer to itself as? It refers to itself as the scriptures. Jesus Christ is the word of God. Please don't give me the, the argument, well, it's the written word of God and Jesus is the living word of God. Where do you get these ideas from? Is that something that's in the scriptures? Do the scriptures refer to themselves as the written word of God and Jesus is the living word of God? Or is that just some little ditty that you made up in order to continue to believe whatever it is you believe? The scriptures are absolutely invaluable to us, especially those of us in our, in our grotesque and modern condition in which we live today, where we have very little understanding. We are froth with sin and with selfishness, and uh, the, the world in which we live in is wicked and evil, and it's, I mean, it, it's a problem every day we live. And frankly, I don't know how we would ever understand the things of God without the scriptures. I don't know. How would we even know who Jesus was? How would we even know who his father was? Or the history of, of Christianity in, in general without the scriptures? I don't know how we would do that. So please don't accuse me of not believing the Bible is true. Because a lot of times when you say the Bible is not the word of God, people hear that as, 
You don't believe the Bible. Not true. You're the one that doesn't believe the Bible because the Bible refers to Jesus Christ as the Word of God, and you insist that it is. There's only two definitions in the Scriptures by example or even by literal definition what the Word of God is. The Word of God is His voice in your ear today, right now. If He speaks to you right now, it is the Word of God. If you remember what He said to you yesterday, you're remembering the words of God. The Word of God is alive. And it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Capable even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, which is a very difficult thing to do theologically, by the way. It can divide between the soul and spirit, and it is a, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there anything that is not manifest in, what's the next word here? In its sight? Or is it in his sight? All the time that I was quoting that scripture, millions of people were attributing what I said, what I was saying, to this book, to the Bible. The Word of God is quick and powerful. Friend, this book is not powerful. It is not alive. I, I can understand how you could attribute power to the scriptures. I, I get that. But, and I could, I could even see how you could stretch the word alive to say that it's, uh, you know, somehow living. I don't know how that works with your, uh, the, the, the foolish ideas of the living word of God and the written word of God. Because if the Bible is the written word of God and the, Bi and the written word of God says that the Bible is alive, that makes it the living word of God. But I thought it was, Jesus was the living word of God. And the Bible is the written word of God. And if the written word of God says that it's living, I don't know. I just can't understand it. You know what you do? You get up, you go make a sandwich. And you don't think about it anymore. But these things need to be thought about. They need to be considered. And when you say the word of God out of your mouth, it should be, among, especially among Christians, that they understand that you're talking about the living words that come from the mouth of, of God to your ears, to your understanding, to lead you and guide you into all truth. Do you believe that he can speak to you, or do you not? If you don't believe he can speak to you, then go ahead, take your Bible and do whatever it is you need to do, and go look up scriptures to make you feel better, or to, you know, to claim in the name of Jesus, or whatever else you want to do, but... If you believe that he's capable of speaking to you, why aren't you taking time in your life to hear his voice? From the beginning, God manifested himself to the earth as a voice. He manifests Jesus as the word of God, the voice of God. His intention from the very beginning has been to have communication with his people. Up until now, and, and we're talking about the day of, of transfiguration, uh, and I'm not saying that that's the, the particular date or time, but I'm saying the transfiguration is depicting this principle that I'm trying to show you now. The Bible says God, Hebrews 1, 
God, who at sundry times, different times, and different manners, spoke unto us by the prophets. He spoke unto us by the prophets. He hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Listen, do, how many times do I have to... Uh, have you memorized this scripture? Is that the problem? So when I start saying it, your mind goes into that little sing-song cadence thing. It's kind of like you're reciting a limerick. Will you listen to what it's actually saying? In times past, in times past, he's spoken unto us by the prophets. He has in these last days, he has in these last days, what is he about to tell us? Something's changed. It doesn't say that he, he spoke to us in times past by the prophets, and that's the way he speaks to us today. It doesn't say that. What does it say? In times past he spoke to us by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken unto us by his Son. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. If I go away, I'm not going to send you a book. He says, if I go away, I'm going to send the Spirit. This Spirit is, it was with you. It's going to be in you. This is going to be a wonderful thing. It's going to be better than anything you can imagine. It's going to be better for you that I move inside you and lead and guide you from the inside than it ever was for me to lead and guide you from the outside. How could it be expedient for us that he goes away, no longer living with us, no longer a part of our everyday life, how could it be better for us, expedient for us, that he goes away? How could it be? I mean, literally, physically, think about this for a moment. I have the ability to have Jesus Christ sitting next to me, eating dinner with me, and talking with me about my day, and there for me to answer questions for me, to lead me and guide me. This is my buddy. He's with me. He's never, he's never away from me. And he says that it's better for you that I go away. How in the world could it be better for you that you go away? He says, because here's the idea. If I go not away, the comforter will not come. It cannot come. If I go away, the comforter will come. He didn't say if I go away, a book will come. He didn't say if I go away, I'm going to send preachers. I'm going to send prophets. And we're all going to go back to the Old Testament just like we always did. So that in times past, they spoke unto us by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us in the very same way. Oh, it's better for you because they only had an Old Testament. You have a New Testament. I've heard preachers say that. Uh, I don't know, how can you miss this? He's saying, the Holy Spirit was with you. It shall be in you. You know what? That's better. It's better for us. It's more expedient for us to be taught of the Lord than it is to be taught by any man on earth anything that any man has to teach. The idea that 
anything could replace the scriptures is anathema to the Jews. It is anathema to the 21st century Christian, the Bible-believing, Bible-thumping, King James 1611 people out there that just worship their Bibles, don't even want another book to set on top of it, those kind of people. It, this, is, this idea is absolutely anathema. However, it's his plan. His plan is to replace your dead book, your pile of paper with ink on it. His, his idea is to replace that with the living Spirit of God to lead you and guide you and to hear that voice. You don't have to go through the Scriptures and find the best, best one to fit your situation. Oh, there's a good one. There's a good one. Which one will I choose? Hey, friend, here's an idea. Change the choice for the voice. Just exchange the choice for the voice. Have a relationship with God so that He can speak to you on a daily basis. You won't exchange it for anything you've ever experienced in your life. I assure you, you will not exchange it. I assure you, you will know exactly what Jesus meant when he says, it's expedient for you. It's good for you if I go away. I know that. that I, I wrestled with that for years. How in the world could it be better? I've heard preachers say, well, you know, he could only be with one person at a time back then. And now he can be with the whole world. So it's, how is that expedient for me? <laughs> it might be expedient for the whole world, but it's not necessarily expedient for me. I'd rather you be sitting right here. I'd rather you be at my table. I'd rather you live in my house. But there is something that's even better than all that. This is a stumbling block, especially to the Jews who worship the Torah or worship the Tanakh who march it around the room and kiss the Torah or touch their Bibles to the, to the box or whatever they do, or you who puts the big decorative Bible you know, on, at the front of the church and, and you, you talk about it as if it's uh, you know, some kind of a god, I don't know, who goes in there and finds their little incantations and prays according to the Word of God. We do this according to the Word of God. We do that according to the Word of God. That's, that doesn't mean that they're doing it according to the will of our Father God in heaven who can speak. They're doing it according to a book which requires, by necessity, a man to read it, a man to understand it, a man to interpret it. Oh, I don't let men tell me what to do. I get my instruction straight from the Bible. Well, guess what, dumbbell? You're the man you're the one. You're still leading your life. You're still guiding your life. You are interpreting. You're reading and interpreting the scriptures. You're a man. So don't tell me you're not getting your instructions from a man. Just tell me you're not getting instructions from anybody but yourself. Now we're being honest. So what's the answer to all this? A relationship with God. A communicative relationship with God so that he can speak to us, so that we can hear him. What happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus was transfigured before them. He was changed, visibly changed on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there appeared unto him, appeared beside him, I assume it was on either side, Moses, 
and the prophets. How did we start the show out today? Didn't I tell you about the law and the prophets? Isn't it the law and the prophets? These two men exemplified, personified the law and the prophets. Man, when they say, uh, you know, Moses says, they weren't just saying Mo this is Moses' opinion. They were saying Moses said this, therefore this is law. They were living according to the law and the prophets. Who exemplifies the prophets more so than Elijah? Elijah exemplifies and personifies the prophets. The Mount of Transfiguration was about one thing and one thing only. Not just an exaltation or a big firework display saying that, you know, God's all happy with Jesus and he wants to show him to the whole world. No, he didn't want to show him to the whole world. He only showed him to four people. Jesus was there and three of the disciples. So what was he doing? What was going on? Friend, it is all encompassed. It's all encapsulated into this one statement. Moses, Elijah, Jesus Christ, and the voice from heaven that says, This is my beloved son. Hear him. It didn't say add him to your religion. It didn't say add him to your heart. It didn't say this is my beloved son, please accept him. He said this is my beloved son, hear him. No longer are you going to receive your instructions from a book, from words on a page, from ink on a page. God is screaming from heaven, I am not a book. This is my beloved son. You want guidance? This is where you come. You want salvation? This is where you come. You want answers to life? This is where you go to get those answers. This is my beloved son. In whom, by the way, I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. So are we supposed to hear, the, hear what Moses had to say? Well, you can certainly read it. But that's not where we get our instruction from. Are we supposed to listen to what the prophets say? Well, you can certainly read it. It's all going to do you good. But when it comes to being taught of the Lord, this is my beloved son. I, you will hear him. When Jesus Christ was prophesied as coming, he told Moses, I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto you. I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto me. And when he speaks, the people will listen to what he says. And if they don't listen to what he says, I will require it of him. How many thousands, how many millions of Christians have never considered the voice of God? They've never heard it. They don't know what it's like to be taught of the Lord. Only thing they know is Sunday school. The only thing they know is memorizing scripture. The only thing they know is the Bible and songs and what's said in church. That's all they know. They have never looked toward the center of those three and heard the Lord say, this is where you get your information, right here, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Time's gone. Gotta go. Till the next time, think red ink, my friend. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. 
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.